You're Chris Maxwell, right? You crashed Apple Podcasts. Oh, that? I felt it was necessary to point out the flaws in their security system. Then you're just the one we're looking for. Wait, are you sure we can trust him? Of course, he's a Harvard man. I'm sure he has the same strict adherence to the rules of the student handbook as we do. Bart, I'm just saying we need to be careful. And I'm just saying we need a podcast programmer. Hey, you guys look alike. Are you related? Ha ha, never heard that before. We're, We're identical, identical twins. I'm Bart Davis. And I'm Brad Davis. Oh, the Brad Davis twins. I've heard of you. We have an idea we want your help with. But only if you promise not to steal it. Pinky promise. Sure, uh, okay. I promise I won't not steal your idea. From Los Angeles, California, it's High on Film! Tonight, we've got Joe McGranigan and The Social Network. Well, then what's your latest premiere on tonight's episode? Drop the the, just social network. It's cleaner. Welcome to High On Film. I'm Chris Maxwell. I'm your host for today. Another episode, 260 episodes in. And this is part two of our Mank release bonanza double feature. Last week we did Citizen Kane, and now we're getting to dig into some David Fincher for the third time on the podcast. We've covered Fight Club. We've covered Alien 3. And now... The Social Network from 2010, directed by David Fincher, written by Aaron Sorkin, based on the book The Accidental Billionaires by Ben Mesrich. Oh, boy. Let's get into it. I know we have tons to talk about, so let's get to the man right to my left. He's the co-host from The Couch, the podcaster of Disaster, and the Brad Davis that God gave us, my co-host and friend, Brad Davis. Chris Maxwell. How's it going, Brad? I'm doing very well, sir. How are you? Oh, just great. So excited. Uh, Mank is out now. Uh, we got to sit down and watch Social Network. Uh, I, I couldn't be happier. Great films all around, I think. Yeah, it's been a, been a nice couple of days. Nice couple of days, yeah. <laughs> now, Brad, I want to bring up something because it's been a, I guess, an inside joke for you and I for since this movie came out. But Peter Travers called Justin Timberlake's performance in this movie a revelation. All these years later, how do you feel about that? We haven't really addressed it in a while. Um, okay. We used to mock it because, yes, he's good, but a revelation, maybe that's that's classic Trevor's heavy handedness. Let me say, I do read a lot of Peter Trevor's uh, reviews, and I read a lot of reviews in general, and I still think to this day the most absurdly over-the-top review I've ever seen of anything is his review of Social Network. This movie is great. It is a, it is so damn good. But he made this movie out to be nectar from the gods, basically. Uh, yeah. And while Justin Timberlake, in a way, is a revelation to in, in a very micro, because he you don't expect anything from him. So for him to actually be able to portray a character well, Sean Parker, creator of Napster, is certainly a surprise. I don't know about a revelation. Um, it, it will always make me laugh for how uh, ridiculous that 
is particularly when if you're going to call anybody a revelation in this movie, I would say it's Jesse Eisenberg. Um, hmm. Because while he's been very good in other movies before, I think he is phenomenal in this movie. Agreed. But I think what makes them both so good is it leans into what they're best at, right? Yes. I mean, Justin Timberlake can play a hotshot celebrity and Jesse Eisenberg can absolutely play neurotic. <laughs> and these are both those to the nth degree. Uh, but yes, it's just an incredible Fincher film. I mean, it's sleek, shiny, dark, wet. It's like, it's yeah, wet. what's all wet? Like, that's a Fincher thing. Wet. It's like he learned a whole lot from Alien 3. Okay. Yeah, what? When he's oh, we'll get it. When he's walking through the campus in the very opening, everything. Yes, I, no, no, I understand what you're saying. I'm just. I just seven like, is very. Wet. I just like to mess with you. The game is wet. Seven's very wet. Yeah. Seven's yeah. so wet. <laughs> okay. On that note, let's get to our guest. He's a high on film vet. He is one of our <laughs> best friends and an acclaimed actor. Joe McGrenigan <laughs> returns to the podcast. Welcome, Joe. Oh, guys, thank you for having me. I am so honored to be here on your 500th episode. <laughs> so, so great to so great to have you for that on, on such an occasion as this. Uh, you've seen Social Network before, yes? I have, yeah. I saw it when it came out. I saw it in theaters in 2010, and I liked it then, but I it had fallen off my radar as like a movie that was really good. Yeah, nominated for a bunch of Oscars, ended up winning three. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, Facebook now is the leading cause of ruining the world. So how did it play this time around? I loved it. I was, I was um, pleasantly surprised by how well done it was and how it just made me, I I had all kinds of feelings for, at this movie. I like, I just wanted to punch uh, Jesse Eisenberg's (laughs) face. So I had such a strong desire to punch his face and I felt so bad for Edwarder Saverin and I just, I loved all the performances and a, a, Sor- a good Sorkin script. I just, I'm a sucker for a Sorkin script. So I was right, right, riveted. Right. Yeah. Hard not to be a sucker for a good Sorkin script. I, I feel like I love the trial of the Chicago seven, despite myself. I feel right. like I shouldn't like that movie, but damn that Sorkin script. It, it really crackles. And I'm like, well, really of course rings. this is pretty good. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's get into it, guys. Uh, if you haven't seen The Social Network, you should probably get on it. It's streaming somewhere. Netflix, I believe. Hopefully mm-hmm. still. But if you need a quick reminder, we prepared a quick little trailer to uh, refresh your memory. Here it is. In a world wrought with toxic masculinity, when Y2K was the biggest problem we had had with the internet, one man will face multiple lawsuits because he definitely ripped off a billion dollar company. Yeah, how is that different from MySpace or Friendster? Mark Zuckerberg will take his best friend's money and an idea he stole from three frat guys to create a website for remembering birthdays and spreading toxic misinformation. I was drunk and angry and stupid. And blogging. And blogging. You think this is such a good idea? After shaming his ex on the internet, Mark will crash Harvard's network and attract the attention of the college elite. That's good. You should be proud of that right there. Don't worry if you don't make it any further. Divya Narendra and the beefcake douche duo known as the Winklevoss twins will be led on by Mark just long enough to make slight changes to their idea and go viral on his own. You have part of my attention. You have the minimum amount. He'll meet Metallica's nemesis, Sean Parker, and sell his soul to Silicon Valley. A million dollars isn't cool. You know what's cool? You. 
billion dollars. His drive for power and exclusivity will even lead him to betray his best friend. I was your only friend. Yeah, one friend. Columbia Pictures presents a movie written and directed by two men whose egos probably equal Mark Zuckerberg's. You, you thought he was going to be the only one who thought that was stupid? Jesse Eisenberg, Andrew Garfield, Rooney Mara, and the revelatory Justin Timberlake. I can't feel my legs. I know. I'm totally psyched about this too, but why not? Yeah. It would be exclusive. You don't get to 500 million friends without making a few enemies. You're just being polite. I have no intention of being friends. I'm under some pressure right now from my OS plus. And if you just order some food, I think we should. David Fincher's The Social Network. It's the Facebook movie. Drop the the. Just Facebook. It's clean. Ah, that's a, that's a great Fincher movie trailer if I ever heard one, huh, Brad? Oh, chills. Literal chills. Well, and now it's time for Trash. Star. Destroy. Get down! Get down! <laughs> That's an amazing sound effect. That's right. It's Trash Star Destroy. Thank you very much. <laughs> it came with our bigger budget when we rebooted the yeah. show. I love it. It's Trash Star Destroy, uh, our favorite podcast game, or second favorite. I don't think we've ever decided that if this is number one you, or number two. You've always said milking it is your favorite. And now your favorite <laughs> podcast game. But you I feel like Milk and It's the fan favorite. The fan favorite. <laughs> Trash Down Destroy is my favorite. Yes. Who knows? America's okay, favorite. we're going to give you three movies of a similar ilk. Um, oh, I like that. America's favorite. America's favorite. America's favorite game, Trash Down Destroy. <laughs> three movies of a similar ilk. We ask that you trash one, which means it's eliminated from existence. One movie you get to star in, in whatever role you'd like to take for yourself. And of course, the third movie then must be destroyed, which means that the only version of that film that has ever been made has been both written and directed by Mr. Michael Bay of 13 Hours, The Secret Soldiers of Benghazi fame. All right. Good one. Let's do a category that encapsulates the double feature we're, we're doing here. We're in the middle of called, but was it all worth it? We're going to do uh, three movies that feature rich men who sacrificed everything. We'll do last week's movie, Citizen Kane. This week's movie, The Social Network. And uh, I feel like an underrated or at least under-talked about Scorsese movie, The Aviator. Trash, Star, Destroy. Citizen Kane, The Social Network, The Aviator. Tough to decide what to do here when you have... Because my instincts are to star in Social Network, but then that means I'm either trashing or destroying Citizen Kane, which feels wrong. But I think I'm going to star in Social Network as Eduardo. Wow. Wow. Okay. I love that role. I mean, he Andrew Garfield's great, but I love that role. It's a good role. And I'm a, just because I saw Social Network more recently. And yeah, I'm going with Eduardo in Social Network, which then means I'm going to trash Citizen Kane. You know what? No, I'm going to 
give Citizen Kane to Bay. That actually has too mm-hmm. much go too much going in its direction, like Bay's own ego being driven into what that movie mm-hmm. is. I'm actually very fascinated to see that. So then I'm trashing Aviator. That's what I'm doing. Jesus, if Michael Bay has to work with Orson Welles, I don't know if the picture ever gets finished. They'll kill each other. They'll literally <laughs> kill each other. <laughs> yeah. Joe, what are you doing here? So I've been thinking about this, and I've been thinking that um, there's no altruistic thing that you can do in this game to save a good picture. So I can't go in and say, how can I save Citizen Kane and preserve it? There's just no way to do that. I mean, something, something's got to change for each other. Well, you could be right? a small part. Oh, I, that's you know what? That's true. That's true. That would be the, that would be the ultimate altruistic thing. So that you could do that. I'm not going to do that. Um, so I'm figuring. Let's just do. Let's Classic let's actor. start. Let's start with the most selfish thing and just take the take the part you most want. That's step one. So I I would I would want to be, I would want to play Hurst in Citizen Kane. I would I would want to play, I would want to take that role. Charles Foster Kane. Charles Foster Kane, and I just want to live in that era of Hollywood. I want to be in a picture from that era. I want to work with Orson Welles. I want to be in that movie. So then I think, then the question becomes, do you, do you trash a film you love to save it from Michael Bay? Like, is it better to just have a film never exist than be ruined? Do you guys go through this in your heads every time? Yeah, I mean, that's definitely a choice I've made uh, both ways. Uh, I've been on both sides of the thing where I'm like, well, I'm going to trash it to save it from Michael Bay. Or I'm like, well, I, you know, guilty pleasure. I want to see what Michael Bay does with it. (laughs) Right. I feel like I'm going to trash the social network because I I really liked it. And I wouldn't want Michael Bay getting his hands on it. So better to have, better to just not have it in existence than to give it to Michael Bay. And I think the aviator... Fast planes, you know, torrid affairs. He could have some fun with that. And why not just kick it over? I'm not a huge fan of that movie. I remember seeing it in theaters forever ago and just feeling exhausted by it. But I haven't seen it since 2004. <laughs> so maybe he could spice it up a little bit and keep me interested. Keep keep uh, 18-year-old Joe interested in it. I mean, that's, that's near heresy for me. I love that movie. I think it's a great Scorsese movie. Really? The Howard Hughes, it's a nice little take on old Hollywood. I do, I would like to see maybe Michael Bay do an old Hollywood movie, yeah. like show that era of Hollywood just to see it through his lens might be pretty hilarious. <laughs> yeah. That being said, I'm starring in The Aviator. I am DiCap- kicking DiCaprio to the road. I'm being Howard Hughes. I am working yeah. with Martin Scorsese and a bevy of other awesome people. Yeah. Um, so that's that's pretty easy for me wow i'm surprised that's the hard part yeah yeah Yeah, i i'll tell you i like we had this conversation a little bit last week brad i i like citizen kane i think it's a very good movie i think it's i I like it a lot but it's not my favorite orson welles i I like touch of evil more uh just because i I don't know i like the style more and it appeals to me a little more although i have no not to knock anything against citizen kane Mm -hmm. so listen to last week's episode for him to knock citizen kane no, oh, I, yeah. I do not. Do no, I mean we all have our worst scenes. I mean, I'm just messing around. So yeah, I think I'm. I think I'm giving it to Michael Bay, just to see Michael Bay do a movie about a media titan who's you know lost touch with reality. Mark Wahlberg. Yeah, Mark Wahlberg, and you know, ideally, Michael Bay puts a little of himself into it, so it's a little self-reflexive. You know, that that would be really nice. That's the only way it'll work. And you're giving you're giving Michael Bay a lot of credit. As an auteur. 
That's true. He's got a style, man. He definitely has a very distinct style. Yeah, it's one long music uh, video. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's one long late 80s, early 90s music video. Uh, but that means Social Network's going in the trash. A little bit of a loss for Fincher's filmography, but he's got a lot of really good stuff on there. And it, I guess it opens up for someone else to make a new Facebook movie that encapsulates the bigger picture now. So let's do that. Mm. Mm. Yeah. All right, guys. One more category of Trash Star Destroy coming at us. Let's do it. Three David Fincher films. Let's do three right in a row. Seven, The Game, and Fight Club. Bit of early work. Of course, he kind of disavowed Alien 3, but... Mm -hmm. Seven, The Game, and Fight Club. Trash Star Destroy. Uh, This is pretty easy for me of what movie to star in, which is Seven. I think... What I would do, while I don't think I would particularly be perfect in the role, I'm getting Kevin Spacey out of that damn movie and taking his role so then that movie holds up a little better. That's cool. I like that. I'd like you as John Doe. That'd be Thank fun. you. Yeah. I think, I mean, I can just like yeah. talk with, with lacking total emotion. I can do that <laughs> and empathy. I'm good at that. <laughs> so I'm going to star in seven and just pull him right out of that movie then i think what i have to do is give fight club to michael bay and while that could the combination of those two things could form into like a evil superpower in a way um (laughs) any nuance will definitely be lost that movie becomes i know people kind of have problems with it now while i get it in some ways i don't necessarily agree with it in other ways that movie is just straight problem if michael bay directs it but <laughs> i'm uh, my my curiosity has gotten the best of me and therefore i'm trashing the game which i actually quite like that movie especially for like early fincher which i kind of always forget that's fincher but i it it's too intriguing for me to give fight club to bay so trashing the game Mm, okay joe uh i think i'm gonna star in fight club i saw that movie as you know a younger person and i liked it and i i've always kind of held it up as a movie of like uh style wise performance wise sort of irreverence as anti-capitalism like that whole you know younger me really got off on that like a, like a whole generation of i think male movie viewers did but i would love to play the ed norton role i'd love to you know have that sort of dark those dark humor humorous scenes and then the the the, the narration and the like everything about that role i i love and i wouldn't want to take the brad pitt role because i feel like he just chews that he just knocks that out of the park like i feel like it's you would it's be not a role good in the would, norton role I feel like I could do the Norton role. I feel like I could have fun uh, beating myself up. Uh, yeah, I would love to watch you so kick your own ass. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I think I'm going to, I think I'm back to the same dilemma where I have to decide, do I trash seven to save it? Cause it is arguably the best of the, of these three movies. And I, I would hate to see it. Really. Arguably the best venture. Yeah, I pr- it probably is. It probably is. Um, probably, I, probably I'm probably going to trash too. to save it. Yeah. And so this is again, like a trash to save situation. And then I'll give the game to Michael Bay. Could, he could have fun with the game. I mean, it is kind of, it's supposed to be an adrenaline rush 
you know, the whole way through uh, where this guy's pursued by this, you know, weird, mysterious, you know, uh, what is it, like a cult that's chasing him or something? I mean, it, it's been a while since I've seen that movie. Yeah. Yeah, it, the game yeah. would definitely lose its kind of subtlety, which kind of makes it a good movie. But it would just yeah. turn into like an action-packed, crazy adventure ride, which would probably be right. entertaining too. I remember Michael Douglas at one point ends up in a car that goes into a lake, and I just thought, oh well, mm-hmm. that's 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 easy, easy decision. Yeah, I, I'm in the same boat. I'm I'm going to give Michael Bay the game. Because I yeah. think that's so fun. I actually think there's a lot of real potential there for Michael Bay to do a really cool movie yeah. if he remade that. That's true. And then, yeah, and then here's, I'm at this impasse. Do I want to be Edward Norton in Fight Club? Because I don't think anyone but Brad Pitt can play the other role. Or do I want to be Brad Pitt in Seven? Oh, And I right. think that's what I do. Yeah. Because that would be very cool. I'd uh, It sucks because I'd love to work with Brad Pitt, but to be in Seven with and like hang out with Gwyneth Paltrow and Morgan Freeman uh in that fucking movie would be really cool yeah uh so I think that's that's what I do and then Fight Club unfortunately is in the trash which again I think it's still a really good movie but to to actually what your point Brad I do think it's fans and it's fans misinterpretation of the movie are what make it so toxic not the movie itself but yeah Yeah. because I do think that's a really good Fincher film and do we still have the book in the case that the movie gets trashed. Yes. Oh, yeah. We'll, we'll still leave the, the piece of literature. By we Chuck got Chuck Palahniuk's book, which is amazing. There you go. So it's probably a wise move. I've never read it. It's, yeah. it's fantastic. The, the ending's a lot different, but it's otherwise it's pretty, oh. it's pretty true. Okay. Well, we're going to take a break, and we'll be right back with more High on Film, more Joe McGranigan, and more Social Network after this. Oh. I'm just That's dividing the song. We, we got... I know. I know you got the new one. <laughs> yeah. the new one's Finals clubs giving you a headache? Take one to three skulls and call me in the morning. Doctors recommend Skulls One to satisfy your conspiratorial cravings about a secret society that's existed for generations. Joshua Jackson suspects there's a darker side to an organization that outwardly calls itself the Skulls. And wouldn't you know it? He might just be right. Modeled after George H.W. and W. Bush, it's The Skulls, a secret society so powerful it can give you everything you desire at a price. And we're back, high on film, talking The Social Network, a great David Fincher film with Joe McGranigan today. All right, guys, we're going to get into the film now. Here come spoilers, here come plot points, here come character names it's time for scene work of course we're an optimistic podcast so we like to start things off optimistically best scene what's the best scene in social network of course now we do a ranking of both best and worst scenes uh third best second best first best for each one of us so my number three this was actually hard because i this movie's a little bit like the sum of its parts are maybe better than necessarily like specific scenes at times, I think. Really? I, I okay. do. Um, but anyway, so my number three scene is actually the opening scene uh, with mm. Mark and um, uh, I can't remember. Rooney, Rooney, Rooney Mara. Mara. Yeah. Um, 
I think Amy or something. I think Emily, Erica, 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 Erica. Erica. Uh, I think it. I think it's a, especially like you basically get no other intro to the movie, and you just kind of come in on the two of them talking. And I think it's a perfect um, way to show this character. Like you get Mark Zuckerberg in perfectly eclipsed it, all his faults and everything in one scene. Like you see it all. And to also within that scene kind of see this evolution of a breakup where it's all his neurosis and all his insecurities fully on display. And this girl who has to like feel the brunt of dating this guy. And I think you set him up as a character so perfectly in one scene. So that's my number three. My number two is the Sean Parker dinner. Mm-hmm. Uh, the quick, uh, the the one where Eduardo meets Sean yes. Parker, where they not the nightclub scene. Not the what nightclub is, I guess scene. the distinction I want to make. Yes, yeah. the nightclub scene I feel is a little more known, but that dinner scene, the you know, Sean Parker's late. He comes in. He's wheeling and dealing. You know, drinks around the table, and the you know Eduardo's telling this. Um, Telling in the, uh, you know, the depositions. deposition. Yes, thank you. Um, the deposition about like kind of how he felt all about this while it's happening. And you're seeing Mark totally sucked in by Sean Parker. And Sean Parker even says the same thing that Mark said, like, Facebook is cool. That's what it is right now. And <laughs> uh, Mark Zuckerberg, yes. Yeah, just given the context. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Because he doesn't want to get the ads. He doesn't want to sell right. the ads, which Eduardo does. And him playing so, Sean Parker playing so perfectly into what Mark wants out of this and not what Eduardo wants. And just the whole, the buildup of that scene is great and really showcases kind of all the characters and where it feels like their trajectories are taking them in this movie. It's kind of a, almost a breaking point for Eduardo and Mark more than anything else. Um, more than any other scene. And then my number one scene is the right is basically the second scene when Mark creates face mash and the quick dialogue uh, of, of Zuckerberg giving all of that information and truthfully for me and what I, the first time I saw this movie, my takeaway from this scene and basically what this whole movie is, is that I don't know if they're, are many scores that enhance a movie as much as this one does. And specifically that scene, that scene should be boring and should, and granted his voiceover and the pacing of that helps, but that scene is a guy on a computer hacking a computer and it hacking things. And it shouldn't play as exciting as it does, but that score elevates that in such a way that it always has stuck with me ever since the first time I've seen it. Yeah. yeah, Trent Reznor and, and Atticus Ross, Atticus man. It's, Ross, yeah. I think their very first film score or very close to that. Yeah. Uh, and they win Oscars for it. Yeah, and, so good. and they did the music for Mank, too. Yeah. And and the way that it's cut, that scene is cut with the cutaways to the Phoenix party, the, the party with all the girls being bust in, and how that's just a brilliant piece of filmmaking where it's these like nerdy guys in their dorm rooms hacking. And then the elite kids, you know, dancing on tables with women in their underwear, you know, like where social interaction is going to go, like how, how we're going to interact with each other 
because of the because of Facebook from now on. Like, yeah, parties are still going to happen, but like, you know, he's creating his own exclusivity. He's creating a new a new way to be exclusive. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, does that fall in your top three? You know what? I I didn't have it in my top three. I went kind of a little untraditional in my top three, but I did love that scene. I had a lot of possibilities. Oh yeah, well, let's hear it. Let's let's go three, two, one, bud. Okay, so my my three is the regatta race. It's like a little short film. I love that piece of classical mm. music, and it's like a little visual representation of you know the the race, the struggle to to be to to win. You know the like the the drive the drive to win. But I just I love the way it's cut. I love the way it's shot. It's a kind of a nice break in the movie, um, but also a visual representation of what's sort of happening in the movie at the time. I was going to say, what's funny about that scene to me is that initially was on one of my worst scenes list because it felt superfluous. But then Mm -hmm. once you, but then once you get to the scene afterwards where everyone's like so close, so close, I was like, oh, this is a perfect metaphor for everything that's happening in their lives right now and so i was like right. okay so scratch that off yeah good choice. yeah you get to see the winklevoss twins lose for the first time right. or the exactly. second or the second time yeah but it was yeah by so close and they even say that later it's uh i can't remember actually which character says it but it's you know it wasn't about that it was about taking something from them and when they've never lost anything or have never been told no before yeah I think Zuckerberg says it to Rashida Jones. Right. And, and just, there's such a, um, there's such a class conflict playing out in this movie that visually that sort of white, you know, stuffed shirt athletic event, like a, like a rowing race is so it's juxtaposed so nicely against like Zuckerberg at the, you know, at the, in the Southern California house and like how he's always wearing his, you know, hoodie and his sandals and the new mm-hmm. money, like the idea of like this old money is kind of the sun is kind of setting on this old money and their gentlemanly ways. I don't know. I, I just I found a lot I found a lot to think about there. Yeah, totally. The class thing is is right on. Absolutely. Yeah, particularly when Mark they asked Mark to do it and he once he finds out they're on the you know rowing team, he's totally in and later even says, like, well, we took you to the club, like you took me to the first room of the club. Like it's you still put me right. down even yeah. at the time. It seemed like you were doing me a favor. Yeah. Yeah. The bike room. Number two. So two is the scene with the, the, uh, the scene with the president of Harvard. I just, Great it choice. was such a classic Aaron Sorkin scene. And I just, I needed those laughs and it, it was just another instance of like class where it's like, there's always someone above you shoving your face in it you know like these are the winklevoss twins they're so privileged they they think they have everything and they get their face just rubbed in it by someone who outranks them basically and so like the the system of the, the class system again just come the hierarchy just comes back into play and it's the, the writing in it is just so funny and so sharp and yeah i loved it yeah, that's really great. I'm glad you brought that up because that's not in my top three, but that is an excellent scene. And you're right. The uh, the comic relief that that scene brings is yeah. elevates this film so much, gives you that little bit of break. It's really nice. Exactly. Agreed. Yeah. That was just outside my top three. That was a finalist for me for a top three scene. I thought it was so funny. The guy who plays the president just nails it. Yeah. Yes. 
Yes. Yeah, considering I was the secretary, I think I have a little bit of an idea. <laughs> secretary of the treasury, I think I have a little bit of an idea of what I'm talking about or something. That's a great line. Yeah. <laughs> I forget his uh, secretary's name, but when he's like, Susan, punch me in the face. Oh, yeah. It's so <laughs> funny. And then my number one is uh, sort of the climactic moment where after Andrew Garfield's character, Edward, uh, or, uh, Eduardo Saverin, kind of realizes he's gotten muscled out and he comes through the glass doors and comes to confront Zuckerberg and he smashes his computer and he kind of lets him have it. I just, that is such a great payoff for everything that we've seen that relationship go through. And I really think that relationship is at the heart of the film. So when like, when that final split happens and he's like, I'm not coming for my share, I'm coming for the whole company. I -hmm. just like that scene gives me chills. I feel like it's so well acted by both, um, Andrew Garfield and just the like the little the little like bits of feeling that come into uh, Eisenberg's face. It's like it's the most subtle performance, but like you feel him get hurt just a little bit, and you're like, oh, he does have feelings, but they're they're just little nerd feelings. They're just really small nerd feelings, but he has them. I, it's just a great scene. I totally agree. That I mean, I almost can't believe that wasn't in my top three, but specifically when then. Sean Parker tries to like toughen up to Eduardo. And I just love the line of, I like standing near you, Sean, make me feel tough after he likes oh, such him. a good oh. line to exit on. Yeah. I love Garfield is so good in that scene. And then even kind of what you're saying to, uh, to Mark reacting that like right afterwards when Sean Parker comes over to him and he's like, you didn't have to be that rough on him. You so shouldn't have been. Him, yeah. I, that seems such a good picture. I'm so glad you mentioned that. Cause that really deserves it. And Sorkin. Yeah, and I mean, it even hints to what comes back around with uh, the Rashida Jones line. I think it's one of the last lines of the movie. Like, you're not an asshole, Mark. You're just trying so hard to be. Right. And it's important for you to see that he does get his feelings hurt a little bit and that he does have a little bit of humanity left in him, yeah. even though he's making these absolutely ruthless business decisions left right. and right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the connection. Yeah, and the connection of that, just real quick, to Kane, where it's like the one friend you had, you in the end, you betrayed. It all yes. connects so perfectly. Yes. Uh, boy, I, I mean, I'm ashamed to say, Brad, you nailed my three. Seriously? Uh, just in a different order. Yeah, I just have them in a different wow. order. Three for me is the face mash creation. Uh, rapid fire Eisenberg. Uh, you get to see his petty fucking ego. Uh, dazzling hacking talk that really is dazzling. Like you get so turned around in it, but you can follow it like as a layman. Good point. Uh, intercut with the with the Phoenix party. It's it's so good. And yeah, the score just does such wonderful lifting on that scene. Uh two for me, dinner with Sean Parker. I mean, everything you said, the the ads versus being cool is so good. Uh but then you get also you get the you know what's cooler than a million dollars? A billion dollars line. Great. And you get another line I think is really great. I understand it's not as catchy, but I love it when he says, I changed the music industry and Eduardo challenges him on that. And Sean Parker goes, you want to buy a Tower Records, Eduardo? It's so good. I mean, oh, I get goosebumps just thinking about that line. It's the way he delivers it. It's just, yeah, he he won. Not in the way you win traditionally, but in his anarchic, uh, ultra cool hacking way. This this world that, he believes he belongs to and that uh, Eisenberg Zuckerberg really wants to be part of. And you also get the line you said before of just drop the, the just Facebook. It's cleaner. 
Yeah, it's cleaner. And yeah. I, I, which I remember that being a big thing in real life when it was like, oh, it's not the Facebook anymore. It's just Facebook. And whenever Zuckerberg's just like, shit, like the one thing I didn't think of, he, he even got yeah. me on that. It's really crazy to think that this was happening as we were also sophomores in college. <laughs> yeah. It's very funny. Um, yeah, I'd rather not think about that. At, but number one for me is honestly the opening scene i absolutely adore the opening scene it sets the pace for the entire movie it is sorkin at his absolute best like the screws are so tight in that scene with all the the best versus the easiest to get into finals club Uh, you get a perfect encapsulation of the zuckerberg character and honestly, it's it, a great Rooney Mara. It's a scene that launched her career. Like it made her a superstar in that one scene. Um, it's so good. I, I just, I love everything about it. And it does so much work to get you into this world. And it seems effortless and, and it has you glued to it the entire time. It's great. And that's one of the scenes I know. I mean, it's all Fincher scenes, but they had to shoot. They shot that scene like over a hundred times to get it right. I know. Oh, yeah. yeah, I mean, I have my own opinions about doing something that many times. That's a little ridiculous. Yeah, agreed, but, hey. but something worked. All right, guys. Well, if there's a best scene, that means there's a worse scene. We'll do it the same way. Three, two, one. What are the worst scenes of Social Network? I, I mean, I can make this pretty easy for me. It's And they're really all little tiny um, movie conveniences, almost. All three of mine. Uh, number three for me is when the when Zuckerberg is inspired to add the uh, in a relationship with uh, like feature. He's just sitting in a computer lab and a fellow student we'd never heard of before comes up and is like, hey, Mark, who's that girl that sits next to you in this class? As if you ever sit next to the same people in class in college classes. Uh, right. And that's when he gets struck with the idea. It's a little convenience just to show him the importance of that. And it, but it's just so outside the world of everything we know to be true of Zuckerberg and of the way college operates. Two for me uh, is another one of those. Like I said, all three of these are when Mark Zuckerberg leaves class early and the professor's like, ah, I see we have our first to surrender. Can't do the problem. It's too hard for you, Mr. Zuckerberg. And, you know, as a little like classic movie trope of, oh, yeah, well, here's the answer. And then he storms out. Just a little corny for me. And that's, you know, that hits on where Sorkin starts to rub me the wrong way is when he gets a little too corny and too cute like that. And uh, one is the convenience of getting Justin Timberlake back to the, back into Zuckerberg's life when he comes over to the house after the chimney's fallen. He's like, we saw the chimney fall and we had to come check it out. And you live here? Small world. Come on, just have him call Sean Parker up and say, hey, I live in Silicon Valley now. Come and hang out and be part of Facebook with me. That's all you have to do. Yeah, that was on my list. That convenience is ridiculous. Like he got even there would almost be more. I believe it more if Sean Parker plays it like somehow Sean Parker figured out he was there and like tracked him down in a way because he wants the idea so much like i don't know how you would sell that but that would at least make sense to me the fact that she's like yeah we're just across the street helping her move at my friend move out is ridiculous yeah and we just happen to see the chimney fall because that was my number two worst scene number three for me is 
Um, the and maybe this is the true part of it. Like, I don't understand, and they sell it in the uh, the president scene too. But like, how the wink, the Cameron Winklevoss is like, we're gentlemen of Harvard, and we don't do that. And to me, and, and they sell it really well in the movie because the guys are like, yeah, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. But I. Th- feel like they allow that to go on for too long as far as their Mm. justification for not taking legal action against this guy for people who are of that uh, of that uh, social economic status and who have so many um uh people at their disposal to kind of handle things like that i don't to me that justification just doesn't play for me it might be true uh, like I, i don't know but that justification just doesn't play for me. You're right. I can see it like doing once or twice, but like going like, what is it? Like 30, 40 days I mean, into Facebook before he's like, let's sue the like bastard. Two thirds of the way through the movie or something at that point. I mean, I know it jumps yeah. back and forth, but it, it's that plays ridiculous for me. And uh, I mean, truthfully, my number one thing is a very broad stroke thing, but this is such a uh, white guy movie. Like it is just, There are no, like, barely any minorities in this movie. The women don't have, um, the women don't have significant, like, it is, like, it's 2010, and just watching this movie, I was like, oh my god, it's just a bunch of rich white guys who run this entire movie. And it, it, it's something that didn't, you know, unfortunately didn't click for me 10 years ago as much, but now it just feels so blatant and obvious and just you know it it's it, it feels like a problem yeah i mean well the one person of color involved in the actual story divya the winklevoss's computer guy is played by a white guy it's max Minghella. Yeah, he's an italian american not an indian american <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> like, yeah joe what are your uh, nitpicks here so i am on i'm in the same boat i feel like the conveniences are kind of Tricky and and the the broad stroke for me number three is the Winklevoss storyline, which is like you guys said. Basically, we see the same scene a couple times before they make that decision to sue, and it's it's the same. It's just the same scene. It's it's uh, Max Minghella's character being like, "Guys, come on, like let's put let's throw our full weight behind this," and they're like, uh, you know, usually it's one of the Winklevoss twins who's like, "I don't know, like we're gentlemen of Harvard, we shouldn't do that." It's just, it's I'm kind of tiptoeing towards that decision, and I, I get I got a little tired about by that. My number two was I just I, I watched the opening again. It's the uh, it's the scene after the bar scene with Rooney Mara. It's the credit scene where he's walking, he's running through Harvard, um, running through Cambridge to get back to his dorm, and there's that signature piece of scoring. Uh, from Trent Reznor. David Fincher it's wetness. Like, and there's lots of David Fincher wetness and the walls, all the whites are green and everything's very dark and you can't watch it in the daytime. And it feels <laughs> like he's going to go back to his room, get his set of knives, go find someone and cut them up. You know, like, because it's got, it's got that little, like, happy piano on top that's kind of creepy, but then underneath it's like, <laughs> and I just feel yeah. like we're about to enter a thriller, like a seven thriller. And it just feels, it doesn't feel right for the movie. Cause he goes back and he gets his revenge using the computer. And maybe we're supposed to feel like he actually does blow shit up and destroy things with this. But the way 
the way I feel watching that, I'm like, no, wait, this is something, the tone got really messed up for me. I was like, well, this isn't, this isn't right. This is just a nerd who got dumped, but he's not going to go like make a bomb. Hmm. Interesting. I actually kind of like the, the false tone, if you will, because I think part of what makes this movie kind of exciting and fun is that it's a fast paced thriller or like made to be a fast paced thriller. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that is fun for the juxtaposition of it being, yeah, just a computer nerd getting his revenge <laughs> on a girl for being dumped. Like I think yeah. it's uh, part of the fun of this film stylistically. Yeah. It's definitely but, yeah, I get what you mean. It's definitely given the thriller treatment, but that's, I feel like a couple times the, the Aaron Sorkin script and the, th- like David Fincher's need to make a very taut psychological mm-hmm. thriller kind of butt heads and like i don't like it the movie grinds in a way that's like it's not it's not it's not synced up somehow gotcha but that was just one that was one thing and then my last problem look i love that rashida jones is in it and i kind of understand i kind of understand her functionality but that last scene where she's like trying to humanize Mark Zuckerberg for us because basically because it feels deus ex machina because it feels like David Fincher realizes that the movie like we have not a shred of of like uh, sympathy for Mark Zuckerberg not that we like we all want to punch him in the face and it's just like this last ditch effort to be like I'm a human I see you you're a human let's humanize Mark Zuckerberg a little bit through the eyes of Rashida Jones. It really doesn't didn't work for me. I was like, this feels tacked on. I don't think that he's like he's. I I do think he's just an asshole. I think he has little feelings, but I don't think he's anything other than. I don't think he's even trying to be an asshole. I think he's just a shitty asshole. I I agree. I I think the Rashida Jones character, as good as Rashida Jones is, is a little extraneous to the film. And I, I will say it does redeem itself, though. I love the last moments where he just friend requests Erica and just refresh, yeah, refresh. Oh, refresh, I love that. Waiting for her to accept it, and you get the Beatles' "Baby or Rich Man" play in the background. It's yeah. just, I I love the end of that movie of this movie so much. Me too. But yeah, the Rashida Jones character is definitely like, hey, we need an audience surrogate to like humanize him. Do you yeah. mind like writing yeah. a character? Right. Yeah, agree. I, I do like that she kind of has that moment at the end where she tells him, like, I'm an expert on juries, and I'm going to tell you right now, you don't stand a chance. Oh, that is good. You're going to have to pay them. But I totally agree. While she is very good, her, I almost have a bigger issue with the scene earlier where she's like eating the salad in the room with him. And it's just like, okay, mm-hmm. so he's not getting lunch, but you're having lunch in here even though everyone else is probably having lunch somewhere else. And you would, in my mind, probably be like with your other team of lawyers kind of going over stuff, planning for the rest of this deposition. Uh, But overall, yes, she feels extraneous. All right, guys, it's time for America's favorite podcast game. Or was that Trash Star Destroy? This is the (laughs) fan favorite. It's time for milking it. We're going to take out the old big computer of Hollywood Ideas 2000, and it's going to, once plugged in and fired up, it will uh, provide us with a few things for us to do. We're going to get a pitch time and a genre card. Each will determine if we get 30 seconds uh, as an elevator pitch, one minute 
as a water cooler pitch or a minute and a half as a boardroom pitch or the executive pitch, if you will, if you're feeling fancy about it. Uh, <clears throat> giving us a minute and a half uh, to make a brand new movie using the plot points, the characters, anything you'd like, the score from Social Network to reimagine, re-piece together Frankenstein, a brand new movie to put out there for the studio system, ideally making billions of dollars. We'll need a title and a quick summary from each one of us. So let's get the computer out here and fire up. Okay, here are the results. Brad, we're starting off with you. The elevator pitched 30 seconds to get out the social network as a road movie. Oh, okay. All right. I like it. Bring in social network on the road. As it should always be. <laughs> I guess so. Maybe. We'll see. <laughs> we'll have to improve the the network around some of the more rural parts of America, I feel like. Yes, socially. There's like miles and miles of desert where you probably can't get much internet connection. Mm. Joe, you've got the water cooler pitch. One American minute to do the social network as a musical. Ooh. Hope you got some good song ideas in mind. Do I have to say uh, that leaves me to do. No, you don't have, unless you want to. I mean, how hard do you want to sell this film? I know that's the question. But that leaves me with the boardroom pitch. One minute, 30 seconds to do this movie as a murder mystery. Okay. All right. All right, we're going to take a quick break to gather our thoughts, and we'll be right back with three brand new movies for your listening enjoyment after this. Okay, we're in the middle of milking it. Brad, you're getting on the elevator, buddy. Are you ready for this? I am ready for this. Your road movie, Social Network as a road movie. 30 seconds to get out your elevator pitch before the executives step onto their high floor of executiveness ah yes of course <laughs> here you go brad 30 seconds ready go so eduardo convinces mark to hit the road with him as he's trying to pitch this idea to different executives uh basically kind of like the aaron sorkin scene from the movie so think like kind of tommy boy but meets that Mark is totally not into this and Eduardo spending the whole trip trying to convince him that this is the right move and they're butting heads throughout. And then we find out uh, in, towards the end of the movie that Eduardo's already out of the company and we're like bouncing back and forth between the deposition and we're seeing all of their relationship stuff play out in Facebook me. Oh, Facebook me. All right. I like that. Thank you. I like it too. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> Joe, are you ready? You're getting one American minute for your musical. Title and a quick summary of Social Network as a musical. You're approaching the water cooler. You see yeah. you see him there. All right. You grab your little cup, and here you go. Ready? Yep. Away with you. Ah, that's some good water, huh? Hey, listen, I have an idea. You know, Dear Evan Hansen and Next to Normal have shown us that audiences are endlessly fascinated by social misfits singing about their desire to fit in. Well, what if we had a Mark Zuckerberg musical in which we could get inside his, his inside of his mind? We could have three whole minutes inside of his mind in the key of F. Um, yeah, we could see what it feels like to screw your friend out of a billion dollars in the song Popular. 
Uh, we've also got a pop star signed on for um, Sean Parker. So he'll put, you know, he'll put on a real song and dance to warm his way into the company. We'll have other tracks like the music of the night. I invented Facebook suddenly see more of Parker 525,600 friend requests and uh, several more. We're going to call it lay Miz to the digital revolution. I, like I think that. I went over. <laughs> no, yeah. you're good. Uh, you, didn't, you didn't. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're right at the, at the wire there. 25,600 <laughs> friend requests is amazing. Great choice. Uh, cheers. That's great. And I, and I love that, you know, ultimately you're right. Facebook is making everyone miserable. Miserable. <laughs> Nothing's more That's miserable than Facebook. Is this the time to confess that I have never had a Facebook page uh, in my confess? life? I almost brought that up earlier, yeah. I, I think you can break exactly about it now. my feeling. Like, you won, dude. You never gave in. I did. I still have one. I'm, the best. I'm like, damn it, Brad, but... <laughs> yeah, Joe, history proved you right. <laughs> yeah. Okay, guys, you ready for my executive pitch for the murder mystery? Oh, so ready. So ready. Boardroom pitch. Okay, good. Boardroom pitch. Lower those expectations. Always. Here we go. <laughs> Gentlemen, gentlemen, thank you for seeing to me. Uh, I got a great idea here for you. So we all know the new social gathering has moved online. Well, picture this. We flash back to 2003 Harvard. Face Mash is a hit on campus. But those now who are being voted down in our murder mystery are dying off one by one. IRL in real life. Enter. Larry Summers, president of Harvard and eccentric private eye, uh, played, of course, I hope we can still get the great producer of Gary Oldman films, Douglas Urbanski, who plays him in Social Network. Uh, we get him to solve the case. He gathers up uh, all our suspects, our colorful parade of suspects. You know, we have our two warring teams of social networks, Zuckerberg and Saverin. We get the the hunky, douchey Winklevoss twins, uh, the street smart Divya Narendra, the devious Sean Parker, uh, the, the, the quiet Erica Albright, a handful of like nerdy programmers. Uh, they all gather in one of Harvard's hollowed halls uh, with information gathered through interrogations, Summers finds out it was one of the the one Winklevoss twin who did not want to sue right away, uh, even though all the signs pointed to Zuckerberg. That's our big reveal in polite society. Huh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love your concern that you couldn't get that wow. Doug Urbanski producer to maybe uh, come back for the movie. He, he doesn't act much. He's only been in six films. Uh, this is the most prominent. The remake of RoboCop, the second prominent. The others, I have never even literally heard of, but he's produced a handful of Gary Oldman films, including David Fincher's Mank. Ah, about that? fun plug. I mean, that's a, <laughs> yeah, that's a risky plug. move to just take him from a, a character actor with, you know, one scene into carrying a film. Into a Hercule Poirot kind of role? Yeah. Yeah. Well, even for social network, they. But I, I loved him. He's ready. I think Fincher must have known that guy is a dick, so he could definitely lean into that role well. <laughs> He's like, "Oh, you want to, you want to watch somebody treat someone like a piece of shit? Don't worry, I got the guy. I got, I got, I got the, guy. the guy. One of our producers oh, yeah. can do. I've this. seen him. I've sat across the desk from this guy. Yeah, <laughs> it's br- he's brutal. All right, guys. 
I think we just sold three brand new movies. Congratulations. Sounds right to me. Ah. Feels good. Feels good. Well, there's only one last thing to do on the podcast, and that's Brad Davis. You just watched The Social Network. What are you going to do next? I am going to watch the only David Fincher film, I believe, that I have not seen before. There, ones there is exists. one David Fincher film I have not seen, and that is Panic Room. There's a reason I haven't seen it sooner. I have not heard great things, but it's literally the only Fincher movie I have not seen, so... It only makes sense. Yeah. From what I remember, it's great for high schoolers, like because you learn about the id, the ego, and the superego, because those are your robbers uh, led by Forrest Whitaker, I believe. Love me some Forrest Whitaker. Yeah. yeah that's right. Good cast. Young Kristen Stewart. Jodie yeah. Foster. Jared Leto. Jodie Foster. Jared Leto with a weird hair. Oh, yeah, yeah. Leto. Yeah. It's not, it's not great. And it's, it works itself. The script works itself into all kinds of weird corners and then. It's just, it's really a lot of conveniences. If you guys have problems with conveniences, I get ready for. I, I typically do in, in, in structure stuff. I typically do. So yeah. Joe McGranigan, you just watched the social network. What are you going to do next? I might go onto Amazon prime and watch a call to spy, which is a movie. I had a small, tiny role in, uh, I shot it back in 2018 in Philadelphia and it just got picked up and, uh, see how much, of my two scenes got, got cut out. So uh, I've heard from friends that it's like one and a half of those scenes. So that'll be fun to see me pop up and like uh, pick my nose or something. And then, you know, fade into the background. Yeah. I, I've watched this movie. Uh, I don't think we ever get you finger up nostril completely, uh, uh, but uh, yeah, you, you pop up early, early in the movie. It's great. You get a, you get a couple of, you get two little quick shots. <laughs> Uh, you get to walk in the rain with umbrella for a little bit. <laughs> well, you're very good, and I will recommend the movie. It is a it's a very good movie about uh, women spies in World War II. It's, it's it is nice. a really cool uh, cool movie directed by Lydia Dean Pilcher. She's uh, big friends with Wes Anderson, so it's got a little bit. It's got some. I mean, it's not a fun mm. like. There's no there's no Wes Anderson in this movie, but she's extremely competent, and she's. Like it's a, it is a good film, and it's it's a female driven World War II spy drama. It's really good. Yeah, really great story. Really enjoyed it. Congratulations, Chris Maxwell. You just watched The Social Network. What are you gonna do next? Uh, I think I'm gonna continue with my own little personal Fincher mini marathon that I've been doing. Uh, I recently rewatched both The Curious Case of Benjamin Button and Gone Girl. Uh, and I think I, I got to rewatch the one that I that society tells me is his best, but I don't agree. Zodiac. I got to give it a rewatch. Yeah, I've only watched it when it came out. I thought it was a middling to fine Fincher, but everyone regards it as this masterpiece. It's time I give it another. It shot. is not his masterpiece, though. I felt the same way as you the first time I saw it, and I've watched it since then. And I do think it is a excellent film. Though I don't think it's his masterpiece. Mm. I've seen it once on the small screen, and I agree. I was actually, I've been disturbed by a lot of Fincher films. That one disturbed me a lot. There's one scene where the killer murders a couple on a picnic. It, Do you remember that scene? I, it's right in the beginning, I believe, to Hurdy Gurdy. Uh, no, the one is that right? No, it's really quiet. The one at the beginning yeah. is in the car. There's yeah, it is a couple on at a picnic, and that scene is disturbing. It is it is it is on the it is on a level with 
like the exorcist in terms of things I can't unsee. I, for some reason, the stillness of the camera, the like, I, I don't even want to talk about it. It's, it is extraordinarily <laughs> disturbing. That movie is cool. Really, really good. It's a movie I did not love the first time I saw it. And now I highly regard. Hmm. Yeah. I think I'm going to add it to the list. Um, but yeah, Betty Butts. I still, I still holds a holds a very warm place in my heart. Though I will admit, after a rewatch, not as good as I remember it. Uh, but still, some great romance when when uh, they meet in the middle there. And Gone Girl, Gone Girl, yeah, really damn good too. I really enjoyed that movie. The twist in that, uh, in perspective, and the story, so fun. I've seen that movie a few times. It's great. Gone Girl's really, really good. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Other than that, I got to recommend to everybody to listen to our Mank Buzzed Off film, a mini episode review of David Fincher's new one, Mank. Uh, should be out now. Uh, also, last week we did Citizen Kane with Josh Green. Check that out. And of course, Death at Sunset. Home is where the plate is. Season two in its entirety, out everywhere. You get your podcasts. Please so good. To it. So entertaining. Oh, thank you, Jeff. Thank you gotta, very much. I appreciate gotta check that. Check it out. Yeah. It means a lot. Yeah, Brad and I put a ton of work into it. Uh, very proud. And uh, if you like this show, I guarantee you, you'll like Death at Sunset. So please, please, please check that out. And guys, that's it. Any any last minute plugs before we uh, pull the pull the plug on the drain? Uh, at PD, always GP on Twitter and Instagram. But yeah, please, uh, all four parts of Death at Sunset Season 2 are out. We can't thank everyone enough for their help on it. And Joe, thank you so much for listening and liking it. And uh uh, oh yeah, we are we are very proud of it. So thank you everybody who yeah has definitely listened. definitely leave a re- yeah leave a review and, and rate it. It's it's worth it's worth that time. It's something that people should hear. Ah, thanks, dude. Well, maybe we'll uh, hit you up for season three. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, I'm at Cross Maxwell across your social media accounts. That's Chris Lino in place of the I. Joe, thank you so much for being on the show, buddy. Really great to have you back. Great always to chat movies with you like my absolute pleasure it is it is our our, i think our greatest pastime since college since we were in college at the same time as mark zuckerberg Uh, (laughs) yeah it's so much money so much money (laughs) all right guys thanks for listening we'll be back next week with uh the holiday season we're getting some christmas movies next week we'll see you then we love you goodbye Hey, Chris. You hungry? Who are you? I'm new to the firm. They wanted me to sit in on this deposition. You haven't eaten all day. Do you want some of my salad? I'm a billionaire. I don't share leftover salad. You seem a little down. Well, I have all the money in the world, and I'm I'm starting to wonder if it all cost me too much. You gotta remember, sometimes it's not about the destination, but the friends you make along the way. But I lost all my friends. That's what it cost. Oh, so still a no on the salad? High on Film is a Maxwell Davis Productions podcast. Original music by Zach Pfeiffer. For more information, follow at High on Film on Twitter and Instagram or email the show at the High on Film Show at gmail.com.